All right, Dan. Speaking of free advertisements. <laughs> do you like wine? <laughs> I, do, I do like wine. I also like wine. It's been a minute since you talked about wine. It has. Uh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Uh, how, when was our last wine-specific one? It was in the summer, I think. Well, I, I can tell you who it was. It was uh, Intrigue and Enrico. Yeah. So that was probably four or five episodes ago. Oh, yeah. So definitely in the yeah. summer. And it seems like we've skipped fall and right into winter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We had fall for about a week, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. It was weird. It just flipped on a dime like that. Yeah. And especially with the time change now, it's like even more pronounced. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Welcome to Taste BC Radio, where we're going on a journey to explore restaurants, breweries, wineries, and just about anywhere where you can eat or drink local. I'm Jeff. And I'm Dan. And we are talking twice a month about local BC food and drink. If you want to join in on the conversation, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at TasteBCRadio, or email us at host at tastebcradio.ca. All right, tasters, let's get into it. So, well, first, like, how have you been? What, what's new with you? Uh, I'm good. So I had, uh, I got a, I got a midterm back yesterday. Ooh, and so, how'd you do? Well, okay, I got to tell you the whole story first. So this wait, midterm uh, is for... Wait, 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 wait. Is this like a Democrat's doing better than they thought in their midterms? Or is this like... <laughs> uh, Politics on Taste BC Radio. Yes. <laughs> okay, good, good. <laughs> well, I don't know. I think the Democrats thought they would do well. I just, the, the pollsters mm. probably didn't. Anyway, we... Um, <laughs> So I, I walked into the classroom on the on the the day of the midterm, and the prof points to me and says, "I'll make you a deal." I'm like, "What's that?" He says, "Give me your cheat sheet, and I'll give you three percent extra on your on your midterm." And I was like, "Absolutely." He's like, "What, really?" I'm like, "Yeah, absolutely." And so I handed him my cheat sheet, which I had maybe like I don't know. We were allowed one page single sided, yeah. And I had filled that page maybe a quarter of the way. Not nice. And so I handed it in, did the exam, felt really good about it, and I got it back yesterday. And I got 88 on it, 88% on it, nice. and then plus, plus 3%. Woo, 91. Yeah, so, and it's on a bell curve, so it's even higher than that, because the highest oh, grade in the class was 94%. So, yeah, I felt, <laughs> definitely felt like I won that transaction. Because 3% yes, is, it, it, it's the difference between a letter grade. Oh, 100% so, it is. Yeah. 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 Wow, congratulations, man. Which class was this? Uh, it was managerial accounting. Ah. Uh. Yeah. Why am I not surprised that you did so well on that? <laughs> yeah, it's because uh, I'm a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> You're also the manager of our of our friend group, so that's like it just right. it just suits you, manager Jeff. Yeah, they don't they don't have um, you know how like uh, uh, momager is a term used by yeah. the Jenners dadager. or whatever. It's like dad dadager. It doesn't it doesn't have the same ring to it. No. No, definitely not. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. But I've also been doing this run streak. And so uh That's right. Uh from the day before Thanksgiving I started it. Canadian Thanksgiving, right? Well yeah, I hope I hope so, seeing as hey. we're why do you know. why do you keep assuming we're in the States, Dan? I don't know. We're a BC based BC featuring <laughs> Hey, you never know. I want to make sure that the American listeners understand that we it's Canadian Thanksgiving, not American yeah, for, Thanksgiving. For all our friends in Florida that are listening to <laughs> BC food and drink. Hey, you never know. <laughs> okay, okay. If you're if you're listening from America or anywhere outside of Canada, let us know. Because I would be very interested to hear that. 
This is what happens when Dan gets involved in politics. He forgets who he is and where he lives. <laughs> American politics. <laughs> I mean, I love politics, but... Mm, but fair yeah. enough. But anyway, so, yeah, so I started the day before Canadian Thanksgiving. And uh, I think I mentioned this last time, but uh, my so. goal was to do it until either Christmas or New Year's. And New Year's would have been perfect because it would have been 75 days. Uh, Christmas would have been, I think, like 70. Mm. But... I don't know. I am enjoying myself, so I kind of feel like maybe that'll turn into a hundred days or more. So nice. we'll see. That's but good. Today, so what day is it today? Thirty-two. Nice. So, um, yeah. Obviously, we were we we're pre-recording this uh, a little ahead of time, but by the time this episode comes out, it'll be thirty-nine or forty. So right. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well past the halfway mark for one of your goals. For the original goal, yeah, yeah. For I'm the about, OG. I'm, I'm about half... I'm at halfway to Christmas. <clears throat> right. And is it, it's a minimum of, like, three kilometers, right? A uh, minimum of two miles. Just because the training plan I'm doing right now is in miles, oh, so I just miles. decided to keep it consistent. So it's um, 3.2K. Oh, okay. So speaking, <laughs> speaking of using or feeling like you're American, doing all <laughs> yeah, your right. runs. It's just all the, all the, like, training plans you get, most of them are um, in miles. Because yeah. a lot of that comes out of the States, so it's just easier to, to do that than it is to convert everything. This isn't helping my identity crisis today. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Mm. Uh, well, mm. uh, we're, we're, we're recording on the day after the American midterms, which is why this mm. is such a hot topic. We're not, we're not talking about it a week later, because no. uh, we'll, we'll clearly very easily forget about that uh, by then so a lot of the states aren't even called yet which is why it's hot on dan's mind <laughs> and why i keep refreshing my phone what's going on yeah. trying to decide if our vegas trip in a couple months is going to be uh fun or scary <laughs> <laughs> mm. but yeah yeah things are things are going well otherwise i'm i'm feeling pretty uh pretty good I, like my semester is coming to a close i've got a ton of well, I've got a few projects due in the next little bit, and mm-hmm. um, I've I told you before this is my busiest semester, so feeling pretty good going into the holiday season and next semester. And uh, the sign up for that ultra race, the ultra marathon that I want to do, is on Sunday morning, so I'm hoping to get Ooh. into that. Because that's lottery, right? Uh, no, it's not lottery. It's first come first serve, but last oh. year sold out in five minutes. So Jesus, yeah, and we're trying to get two of us in. So yeah, um, fair enough. While we're at it, just a a quick plug and reminder. We say that at the end of every episode, but I don't think anyone really listens to it. But we would really love ratings, reviews, follow us. Uh, We just want to hear how we're doing. So if you're a listener on any platform, you can go to Apple Podcasts, uh, which is really the best one for this. Uh, Go on to Apple Podcasts, give us a rating and review, and let us know how you think we're doing. Um, If you're fundamentally against the star system, you can send us an email. Uh, host at bc host at tastebcradio.ca and uh, other platforms like stitcher and spotify you can rate as well but spotify is a little bit more complicated and you have to listen to a certain amount of minutes before you're allowed to rate it or whatever but please yeah give us it's a really good way for us to grow um we're just here to do it for fun but we don't want to do it for nobody we want to do it for a, a very slowly increasing group of people and i think that uh we can we can get a bigger audience of people that actually want to hear what we have to say. So absolutely, um, I, and at the same time, we get to promote local uh, BC restaurant industry and, uh, yeah. and brewery and wineries and everything. So all all good stuff. 
Yeah. I mean, our commitment back, commitment back to the people is that we're supporting local and supporting uh, primarily small businesses. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you if you believe in that at all, it's a this is, if nothing else, it's just free advertisements for them. So absolutely. Um, well, for this wine episode, I actually have a winery that we've all four of us have gone to. Believe Ooh. it or not. Yes. Unsworth Winery. And uh, we, yeah, the four of us went there. Uh, this was back in probably 2019 uh, yeah. when we were, we were, my wife and I were planning our wedding. And uh, we stopped by uh, Unsworth because we've always heard really good things about it and never actually visited until then. And uh, Unsworth is located kind of in the Cobble Hill region or part of the Cowichan Valley. And Similar area to Enrico Winery, uh, but a little bit more south and a little bit more west. Um, Unsworth is this absolutely stunning uh, farmland, kind of in like this rolling hill, rolling farmland hill kind of area in the Cowichan Valley. And uh, when you drive up to it, you see this really lovely man-made pond, and um, you see the the old farmhouse, which has now been converted into a restaurant, and they're brand new to uh, I shouldn't say brand new, but new uh, wine tasting area with a lovely uh, brick uh, patio where you can enjoy their lovely, lovely wines. A um, little bit of a background in it. it was a, It's a family owned. Uh, it was originally purchased by the Turek family. Sorry about my pronunciation. I'm sure I've bottled that. Um, bottled? Uh, pun intended. <laughs> and uh, so it was bought by somebody, uh, t- a couple named Tim and Colleen Turek. Uh, Tim and Colleen visited the Cowichan Valley, spending a lot of summers down in uh, in Shawnigan Lake, which is clo- quite close by. Uh, and they just fell in love with the area. Um, in two thousand fo- in the fall of two thousand and nine, uh, Tim heard about the small vineyard and winery that was put up for sale. And believe it or not, he was a uh, part of the fishing BC fishing industry for 40 years prior to looking for a new challenge. And he basically took one look at the property, saw the 19, 1900s farmhouse, and him and his wife both saw the potential in this in this winery and bought it. Um, Unsworth, the name of it, actually um, was. Colleen's maiden name, so it's kind of a uh, a tribute to her maiden name and her and her past, which I didn't know, which was kind of very cool. And since then, they've expanded the operation. They now have about fifteen acres or so of uh, vines, and they also have a lovely restaurant, which we'll talk more about in a bit. Kind of, I'm going to start with kind of their philosophy because of winemaking. They're really forward in uh, sustainable. Uh, wine uh, growth and uh, and farming practices. Uh, they specifically choose their grapes that uh, uh, are well produced or that grow very well in the area that are used to kind of more milder climates. Amazing. Yeah. So they started. Their oldest is the Marical Folk, which was planted in 2007, and a part of their. Uh, Ovation, which is an award-winning wine. And in the summer of 2011, their Blattner varieties were planted. And so that you can find those grapes in the Allegro and the Symphony blends. And they decided in 2013 to grow more kind of what they describe as the workhorse grape of their wines, which is the Pinot Gris and the Pinot Noir. Um, And 
And they now you help uh, supplement uh, the other neighboring vineyards as well, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, one of the really interesting things. Um, so I, I, you may have men- heard me mention the uh, the man-made pond. Yeah. That, they, that you see. So that was actually designed to be a self-sustaining pond. So it only circulates rainwater. And then, but then it also helps supplement. Uh, it also helped. They use the water as well to water the wine, uh, the wine. Uh, sorry, the grapevines. Right. And uh, so they actually don't use as much water in terms of watering as other wineries do because of that, right. which is pretty cool. They have the kind of like a, a water collection and recirculation. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly it. Yeah. Um, one of the ones that I always look out for, and I've had multiple times, is their uh, Gamay Pinot Noir. And it's mm-hmm. uh, the one I really, it's one of the ones I always look out for and uh, I have grown to really, really enjoy. Uh, it's so kind of fruity. It's a bit of a different kind of style compared to what I'm used to, but I'm starting to grow my palate for Vancouver Island wines, which are more fruit forward rather than kind of your um, deep complex reds and this one is uh so delicious it's a lighter yeah. pinot noir uh and you get like these really fruit flow fruit flow forward oh my god fruit forward of kind of like a raspberry or cherry i would say uh and yeah. then it just finishes off really nicely it's one of those reds that you could drink quite nice easily and during the summer because it's, it's a very light and, and easy um, yeah 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 the other one I really like, uh, I kind of do one red and one white. I really like their Chardonnay. I find their Chardonnay is just a lovely um, blend of a little bit of um, uh, butteriness to it, but but again, kind of more forward on the on the fruits and and side of is it. it so you get a little bit. Uh, it's unoaked, I believe. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so there, but there is some like more complexity to it. So it's not just this fruit forward white wine that is more on the sweeter side. They have a bit of spice and what they describe as a nutty chalky, chalky min- minerality. And yeah. I, I didn't really know how to describe it before I read that. So that was kind of a helpful way to, 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 um, describe how the, how the wine finishes on the palate. So it yeah, that's really, from the. That that's from the super volcanic ground in Vancouver. Exactly. Island. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Something we talked about when we talked about uh, the uh, the uh, uh, Enrico. Um, one of one of the other really neat things is they are they're really um, uh, they really like supporting other uh, local businesses. So their all their labels are done customized by a local company. Hired guns. So they all, which is a local BC uh, design team that is actually founded in Nanaimo, uh, which is about half an hour north of, of Cobble Hill, I would say half an hour, 40 minutes ish. Um, so they design all of the labels. Uh, and one of the really cool things, kind of going back to the sustainability portion of Unsworth, is that all of the kegs that they send are uh, reusable stainless steel. So they get the the restaurants to send them back after they're done, and then they clean and reuse them. So um, apparently most of the carbon footprint from the wine industry comes from bottles. So they're trying to limit the amount of uh, bottles that they use, which is kind of neat and a neat way to, of doing things. Do you um do you know much about wine on tap? I don't. No. I yeah, but I've it's really I've, cool. It is really neat. Like I I I uh 
I'm starting to look out for it more and more in, in restaurants and yeah. it's starting so, to be gain popularity. So tell me more about it. F- funny enough. I mean, you've had, you've heard of boxed wine before, right? Oh, of Obviously. course. Yeah. So boxed wine is actually a misnomer because it's in a box, but it's actually in a bag. Yeah. And uh, that wine will hold better than wine in a bottle. Uh, really? Well, traditionally with a cork. It right. won't necessarily, it'll hold just as well as um, like a capped wine or a synthetic cork. But the reason why they can, they have it in a bag and not just a giant bottle is because as soon as air hits wine, it starts to deteriorate the wine, right? So right. if you open a bottle of wine and you have it, uh, a glass of it, and you put the cap back on and you put it away and you come back to it a week later, it's going to be sour. Like it's going to have started to go bad. Mm-hmm. Where with bagged wine, you can keep it in your fridge or on your shelf for a month, two months, because oxygen never hits it because it's just coming out of the bag and it's vacuum sealed in that bag. So as you release it, um, only wine comes out, no air goes back in to fill that space. And it could mm. because it the bag collapses, right? Now, yeah. wine on tap is the same process, but they're put into these, so they're in these um, special, uh, they're not really plastic but they're basically these special plastic bags and then the keg has um kind of padding on it Mm -hmm. and so as the wine reduces in the bag the padding kind of continues to push it as if it were carbonated right and Mm -hmm. so what happens is um that can then run through a line and you can get wine on tap and the reason Mm -hmm. why that's good is because to transport a 20 liter keg of wine costs as much as transporting, I don't know, I'm making numbers up here, but like five liters in bottles because of the weight. Yeah. And then you can reuse those and your wine will never go bad. Uh, Well, not never, but it'll basically never go bad because no oxygen will hit it. So just like aging a bottle of wine, your wine's not going to go bad unless it's a bad wine. It it won't go bad in this uh, keg. So Hmm. a a lot of restaurants are switching because it's really good for their bottom line and costs. And if uh, it's really easy to sample a wine, but then it doesn't deteriorate that wine, it's really, really great system. But people are kind of weird about it because they're like, wine on top. That's weird. (laughs) But for like local and for sustainability and carbon footprint and stuff, it's it's really incredible. And some restaurants started doing it I don't know, maybe six or seven years ago. And and people were like, oh, we have this wine on tap program. People were like, that's weird and absolutely not. Um, but slowly <laughs> places are starting to adopt it. But a lot of, it's, it's funny because a lot of restaurants that are adopting it aren't advertising it as wine on tap. They're like, oh, this is a wine that we have. You can get it by the glass. And then people are like, oh, can I get a bottle of that? And they have to get a carafe or they get the glass yeah. and they have the taps kind of like hidden because people are still kind of kind of weird about it because wine has such a kind of culture around it. Right. Anyway, that seems for, like a missed yeah. opportunity to uh, talk about like a sustainable wine practice, you know? Yeah. I mean, yes, it's great. And it brings the cost down because the transport cost, there's no glass cost, there's no uh, corkage cost. Uh, the storage is a lot easier. Mm-hmm. I mean, imagine if you wanted to serve an entire pub, but you can only use bottled beer. Like how much oh, higher would horrible. your cost be? So the concept is the same. Um, except almost better because in a keg the the volume reduces and and the and it's replaced with uh carbonated mm-hmm. air to to pressurize that so uh it's kind of kind of similar i guess you can you can do that with you can um spray argon into mm-hmm. the bottle of wine to try to keep it but it that only works so well so you know for higher volume it's it's really really good system mm. to use so it's cool that they're oh, doing perfect. that 
Yeah. Uh, the last thing I want to talk about in the terms of the sustainability, I nearly forgot about this actually, but when they first purchased the property and they were making room on the property for more uh, uh, grapevines, instead of uh, setting fire to their tree stumps after doing some logging, they actually had them chipped, which was a lot more expensive wow. to do, and they used the chips as their roadways in their uh, in their farmland, which is pretty cool. Cool. Yeah. So just another reason, another sustainable practice uh, that Unsworth has been has adopted, and um, yeah, just a really interesting way of doing it. They uh, they talk about how a little bit it was a, quite a bit more expensive than just kind of setting fire to the stumps, but they found uh, they they found the idea of it much more. I don't want to say like pow- like it just seemed like a bet a way better way of doing things and like they needed to put use something for their pathways so why not use the chips from their tree stumps right. on the property right yeah 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 um, last thing I want to talk about is their restaurant the restaurant is was renovated from their uh, old uh, farmhouse I believe and um, they pride themselves on using locally sourced. Um, food uh locally sourced ingredients to make their food and they have a they have a uh head chef from new zealand who uh runs their runs their kitchen yeah literally almost all especially the 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 meats and the grains are all locally sourced as you know like couch and valley is a lot there's a ton of farmland and a lot of people are uh farming everything from like salt to to dairy to uh other fruits and vegetables and everything so there's a lot of of um uh ingredients to choose from within the Cowichan Valley which makes it such an amazing place to showcase uh local ingredients and also pair with a beautifully crafted wine it's a I haven't actually been to the restaurant yet um I would like to uh it looks like a really really nice place to enjoy and you get a was it there when we went it was there, yeah. It might have been closed when we were there because it's only open uh, Wednesday to Sunday. Oh, okay. So I don't, I can't remember what day we actually went, but um, it might have been closed at the time. Yeah, when you the the restaurant itself looks over the vineyard and also the uh, tasting area, so you get a nice depending no matter where you sit, you have a beautiful view of either the grapevines and the far, rolling farm hills and the mountains in the distance, or you have mountains in the distance. Uh, <laughs> Uh, more farmland and also like the uh, pond and the um, and the wine tasting area. So beautifully cool. yeah. located uh, area and be- really really fantastic wines. And they continue to expand and do better things while sticking to their roots of sustainability and uh, and locally sourced ingredients. So kind of ticks every box uh, for myself, and I yeah, am awesome. excited to go back again, see what they're doing new. Amazing. If you find yourself in the Couchin Valley region the, and want to go taste or have a bite to eat, uh, Unsworth is located at 2915 Cameron Target Road, number one, in Mill Bay, BC. Number one. Number one. <laughs> also, yeah, it was uh, great there. I really enjoyed the tasting when we went. Yeah, super good, right? Yeah, I remember uh, the staff being back. super friendly. Yeah, yeah. Everybody was super nice. It's just a really serene area to taste in. It's, oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. I want to go back. We haven't really done a trip up there in an, uh, to wine taste in a while, so this is giving me the itch. So, Jeff, what have you been eating or drinking this week? 
Well, I got something a little bit different. I'm going to do a food item, and uh, it's actually a, a brand I want to talk about. And they only serve three options of the same type of item. So well, I'm getting a bit ahead of myself. This summer, and like most, I've tried to go to some farmer's markets here and there when I can. Mm-hmm. And the Port Moody Farmer's Market I like to go to, which mm-hmm. is it's kind of just around the inlet from it's just around the inlet from uh, Brewers Row. And so it's kind of on the way up to Belcara. They they usually have, I don't know, maybe 25, 40 stalls or so. Anyway, the farmer's market's not what we're talking about. In the farmer's market, I found this little company. Well, actually, I wouldn't say little. Uh, they're widely available across the lower mainland. Uh, it's a company called Morgan's Harbor. And Morgan's Harbor is named after Morgan's Harbor in Jamaica, which is close to Port Royal, and uh, named after Sir Captain Henry Morgan. So uh, mm. that same Morgan. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, so the person that currently runs this company is named uh, Brian, and he was born in Kingston, Jamaica. And mm. so he lived in Port Royal, which is right where Morgan's Harbor is, and kind of grew up with the stories and whatever. And he moved, he and his family moved, emigrated to. BC. Long story short, ended up acquiring a company and mm. decided to create a product line called Morgan's Harbor. And Morgan's Harbor is Jamaican patties. And these Jamaican patties are so good. <laughs> uh, you, you buy them frozen and they have three flavors. They have a chicken, which is their medium spice level. They have a beef, which is their extra spice level. It's, it's with pimento and scotch bonnet peppers, so it, it can pack a punch. And then they have a, a veggie one as well, which is their lowest spice level. Mm. And the Jamaican patties are quite simple. It's basically just like a, um, it's like a pie dough. It's stuffed with meat or veggies uh, that are stewed. And then it's folded over into a half moon shape. And so uh, I discovered them at this farmer's market and brought a four pack home. And they're so, so good. Pop them in the air fryer or the oven for, you know, uh, a few minutes straight from frozen, depending on what you're using. It'll be whatever. You could probably even microwave them. But like I've said before, I don't have a microwave. So uh, I haven't tried that. But they're also widely available across lower mainland, I've I've found out. And some restaurants are actually serving them as well. There's a brewery that sells them uh, in Coquitlam. Uh, that's, that's one that I know of. But even without you know, dressing up and sauce or whatever, you know, a restaurant would put on these. They're, they're just good just by themselves. It's like mm. really flaky crust, mm. kind of the kind that um, it doesn't leave like a fat coating on your mouth because it's so fatty, but it still is quite flaky, which is hard to do. So the reason why pie crusts are flaky is because of the fat content in it and the way that the fat shapes. So bigger flakes mean uh, flakier crust. And so to be able to have that really flaky crust without having that kind of fat content smacking your lips mm. is hard to do. Uh, but then it's also balanced with the spice and the stewed uh, meat or vegetables or meat right. and or vegetables. And what that those those Caribbean flavors and Jamaican spices and flavors mixed into the, that stewing. It's like having there's a there's a dish out of the UK or Ireland that is basically a stew with like a. a pastry on top of it it's baked onto it and so you kind of get anyway i can't remember what it's called but it's kind of like that and with obviously the colonialism coming into jamaica i'm sure that that kind of transport transported over and has evolved into this or mm-hmm. or somewhere in the lineage it's related but that's the feeling you get but it's also mm. it's <laughs> it's kind of like a like a hot pocket 
Yeah. <laughs> or like a mini calzone or something. So it's transportable. You can eat it in the car as long as you don't mind a little bit, couple, couple flakes on your chest or whatever. So good for like a grab and go as long as you have time to heat it up. You can bring it for lunch, whatever. So uh, look out for them. Um, mm. They're available in grocery stores all over the Lower Mainland. Their website, morgansharbor.ca, uh, shows you everywhere where you can uh, get them. They're all made. Every one is made locally, and then so they're distributed as well. So they're in yeah tons tons around Vancouver, all the way out until Abbotsford, Richmond, uh, Langley, White Rock, uh, Coquitlam, Port Moody, Burnaby, New West. So available all over the Lower Mainland, but it looks like Lower Mainland only, and then at farmers markets as well. So definitely really worth checking out they're super good i don't know if all the places that carry them carry all all of them but it looks like there's some choices and igas and uh independent markets as well Hmm. and uh try the different spice levels Uh, i find a lot of stews are really lacking in spice so i like it has that kind of caribbean infusion of the spice that you get from the kind of you know british colonized states that would take british food and then actually like make it flavorful (laughs) (laughs) um have you heard that joke? It's the the British searched the entire world for all the herbs and spices and decided to use none of them or something like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, so so Morgan's Harbor Jamaican patties are really amazing. Uh, they're, they're similar to what some people call hand pies as well. Mm. Uh, you can buy okay. There's this is this is what's great is you can really get like any combination because they come frozen too, right? So right. it's super easy to you can get a starter pack which is one of each. You can yeah. get a mix pack, which is two of each, or you can get a four pack of any one flavor, eight pack of any one flavor, or 12 pack of any one. F- uh, wow. Sorry. A 12 pack is you can pick three of the four packs, so you can get all three flavors if you wanted to. Eight pack is two of the four packs. So, um, yeah, really, really accessible, really approachable. You can just try one of each and see what you like and go back, or you can just double down and get <laughs> 12 or whatever. <laughs> I think at the farmer's markets, they also sell two packs, but I, I could be wrong. That's just mm. what my memory memory tells me. So, Oh, fair enough. Can you, like, mail me one? Just, like, throw the pie in an envelope and just mail one over and see what yeah. happens? Yeah, do it. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it sounds like they're carried by Spud. And fresh prep. So if you have access to those on the island, then you can probably get them in your deliveries. Oh, wow. Yeah. Maybe we'll have to do that then. I don't know if fresh prep's on the island, but they're local company. So, and um, Spud is obviously huge. So I don't know if they deliver to the island, but it's definitely worth checking out. I feel like they would. I think so. Yeah. Uh, Cool. Oh, I'll have to check those out. Again, I'm going to have to put it on uh, a list of stuff I'm going to try when I'm over in Vancouver next. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that one's nice and easy because it's just a snack, right? Perfect. Done. Uh, All right. What have you been drinking? I have been drinking... I actually found this in the fridge last night. I forgot we had it, which is great. (laughs) Nice little surprise. (laughs) Hopefully you had it before it's best before date. Yeah. We still have that uh, beer for you guys, by the way. It's survived in our fridge. It's still there. Oh my there. goodness. I forgot about it. You could have gotten away with it. <laughs> I know. I know. I wouldn't do that to you, man. <laughs> um, so it's uh, kind of a branch of a, of a brewery that I've talked about on the show, uh, but I don't think I mentioned it. Uh, I think it was something that I had... Uh, didn't. Have, I, it was a really long... Uh, episode uh, and on Phillips from from me, but I oh, is it the non elk? It is the non elk. Yeah. Oh, cool. So, yeah, yeah. I've been wanting to try it. 
Yeah, yeah, it's quite good. Um, so the um, uh, in 2021, Phillips expanded to start the IOTA project, which is their non-ALK beer line. And so anything that has IOTA on it, uh, I-O-T-A, uh, is non-ALK, made by Phillips here in Victoria. And they come, they advertise three flavors. So they have a Pilsner, a Hazy IPA, and a Pale Ale. All very good and very... Um, worthy contenders to put up against a, a fully alk beer uh Maybe. obviously with non-alk you don't have the fermentation and stuff like that so the flavor does yeah. it, like it's noticeable that it's a non-alk beer however it doesn't take away from from the uh, underlying uh kind of beer flavors that they're going for yeah. so the pilsner tastes like a pilsner uh, the hazy IPA, which I had last night, has a lovely little bit of bitterness, but mostly have uh, the the hop, the the citrusy, juicy uh, right. uh, hops from a hazy IPA, and then the and then the pale ale as well uh, has a nice sweet um, kind of uh, floral flavor to it. So really, yeah. really nicely done, and um, done by Phillips as well. So they've expanded to. Um, start this kind of non-alk which is actually kind of taking off around the, the there's more breweries out there that are doing non-alk like even bud and like budweiser do, yeah, does yeah. a non-alk version so it seems to be there seems to be a growing trend so i'm expecting to see more and more um i'm hoping they now that i've tried all three of the the iota i'm really hoping that they expand and do some more because they are very very good and very well done are they um are, are they 0. 0.0 or 0. 0.5 0. 0.5 yeah, nice. so each of them are 0.5%. Um, the nice thing as well is if you're watching your calorie intake, I guess, or whatever, um, the uh, all of them are either 70 or 75 calories a can. Oh, wow. And no sugar and about 16 grams of carbs each. So, Amazing. Yeah, very good. Uh, if you're looking for a non-alk uh, beer to take with you to a party or whatever, I would look out for Phillips's Iota. Any one of them is good. It just kind of depends on what you like in terms of beer to begin with. Or if you want to drive, or if you want to hide yeah. your pregnancy. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Because I've seen the cans. They don't look like they're non-alcoholic beers, too. They no, don't, exactly. Like, they don't brand specifically. It's just kind of little on the side, 0.5 or whatever. Like, some of yeah. them, what is it? I think Bud, their non-alc is a gold label instead of their typical one. And mm-hmm. um, the Heineken has the big double zero on it yeah. and you know, stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it's great. And when you see, like, Phillips on the side, you just think kind of think it's a beer. So if you're trying to be secretive yeah. of, uh, like, you're cutting down on drinking or whatever, but you still want to... Yeah crack open a cold one with the guys and there's a this is a good option amazing oh speaking of okay speaking of um trends in beer yeah yeah i'm calling it right now we're going into a winter of smoked beers oh yeah 100 percent. yeah so like it was it was uh super hoppy ipas and then it went to hazy ipas and then we went through the summer of sours and now we're going into the winter of smoke for sure 100 percent. yeah i for one am very excited yeah, as long as places do it well. That's yes. what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. So, Jeff, what uh, what winery are you going to talk about today? Okay, so I have... I, I don't really know how to say... It. I don't know if it's, like, unknown or well-known. It seems like the people that know it love it, and the people that don't know it are like, what? Never heard of it. So, yeah. I don't know. But I feel like a lot of I, I feel like I've heard about this place from a lot of places, but mm. then I've told a lot of people that have no idea. So I don't know. Um, 
Okay, the place I want to talk about is this little winery in Oliver, and it's called Hidden Chapel. Oh, I love it. So Hidden Chapel is a small winery in Oliver, and they only produce 18,000 bottles of wine a year. Uh, there's no expansion plan. It's just, that's just what they do. And they produce a, a ton of different uh, types of wine, and uh, all of them are named very kind of wedding or or um uh, chapel kind of themed they call it they call it chapel themed and so <laughs> first of all when you drive onto the lot you don't look like you don't feel like you're driving onto a winery it's actually kind of hard to find they've got a small sign and a couple barrels on the road and then you drive on and one of the things that's quite common in Oliver for the smaller wineries is that you have to call once you get there and then someone will come down from the house and give you a tasting this is no exception. So uh, the winery was started by a woman named Deborah, who uh, unfortunately has actually passed in uh, 2021, oh. I believe, in the last few years anyway. She bought the property in 2005, and they built a cellar yeah. on the property. And so it's kind of this stone cellar, and then they've p- planted like grass and like foliage and stuff over top of it. And so it's kind of nestled into the back of the property a little bit. And... Um, when you walk in towards the tasting area, you can see it. You can see the beautiful wood doors and the um, stainless aging pots and whatever there. And then if you walk uh, to the right where you can kind of park there, probably going to be greeted by one of the dogs they have on the property. And you call the number and then someone comes down and gives you the tasting. Uh, we were uh, blessed to be uh, given a tasting by Paul, who I believe is Deborah's husband. And he was super knowledgeable about the wines, really passionate about just, you know, we do what we do. We want to do it really well. And um, the wines are really well thought out. They, a lot of them are blends. They do have some single varietals, but most of them are, are blends. And it's very intentional what they're doing. And they name all their wines after um, a variety of different uh, things. So they have... Uh, like even the single varietals will name after some chapel theme. So they have Amazing Grace, which, by the way, uh, some of the proceeds go to um, breast cancer research. Because oh, wow. uh, from what I understand, Deborah's sister, I believe, passed away from breast cancer. So that was initi- an initiative they started. Oh, wow. They have a wine. It's just these titles are great. Just Blushing Bride, <laughs> uh, Holy Smoke, Soul Sister, uh, St. Vincent, White Wedding. Mary Monk, Nuns on the Run, Shotgun Wedding. (laughs) (laughs) And my personal Uh, favorite, The Flying Nun. Yes. (laughs) Um, They have uh, Angels Gone Wild. (laughs) Yeah, so some really fun names and and really fun wines. Obviously, producing whites, reds, rosés. They recently introduced in, uh, I think, the beginning of the pandemic, they introduced a sparkling white as well. And there's no pressure there when you go to taste there it's just here are the wines whatever um this is what's in it how are you doing how's your day going mm-hmm. this is why we do what we do and uh, do you have any questions kind of it's not like you're gonna want to buy this bottle of wine and this bottle of wine and this is our wine club it's like, no it's it's they do their eighteen thousand bottles and and they sell out <laughs> easily and and that's it they'll wow. sell a lot of their wines on the on the property in their cellar uh, so some of the wines 
like their 2018 doesn't come out until 2020 or 2021. Sometimes it's still available depending on how long they're wanting to sell them, depending on the growing season, etc. And the the namesake of the the property, the the Hidden Chapel Winery, is that when you go back behind the cellar and you kind of work your way up, there's this tiny little white chapel. And it, mm-hmm. you know, you can go in and you, they have, you know, a, a Bible open to whatever page. Um, and it's got stained glass windows that have been imported from an old building in Vancouver before it got demolished. And there's seating for maybe eight people total, six people mm-hmm. maybe in that chapel. Um, it reminded me a lot of the chapels on on the the slopes in Santorini, Greece. Um, those ones were built by stone, but they were, you know, they could fit maybe four or five people tops in those chapels. And it's right. not kind of like the place where you would go, you know, get preached to or anything. It's just a place to go pray is the philosophy behind it. You know, you've got mm-hmm. Virgin Mary and candles and whatever else. Um, so if anybody who knows what I'm talking about on the, on the slopes of Santorini, you might trek down, uh, towards the water and, and traditionally it's, it's traveled by donkey and they'd go down and then, uh, tie up their donkey and they go in and they'd pray in, in this tiny little chapel. And it was so private and secluded. Anyway, similar kind of idea with this, uh, it's wood, but, um, either way, this tiny little, uh, chapel, so cute. It's such a great photo. You know, everyone who goes there has the iconic photo of them in front of it. And, mm-hmm. We got one with Kaylee, our dog, in front of it, and she was just having a great time. Um, and and yeah, so really great. Pro- they they I believe grow all their wines on their property, but I think they get, if I can remember correctly, they they bring some in from a friend, but they also send them some, just depending on growing regions and what they're trying to produce. Right. Um, they they <laughs> when I was talking to Paul, the the owner, when I was there. Uh, I don't know, this this past summer in 2022, he was saying that the fires the previous year were very close to their property and they were like really worried that they might lose their property. Um, Wow. So, you know. (laughs) That's so scary. Maybe it has something to do with the chapel, maybe not, I'm not sure, but, you know. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) It's, yeah, it's great to know that they still, they survived that and they're just producing um, wines. They, it seems like they just love what they do and they're just kind of continuing to do it and produce great wines that they really are proud of. Um, yeah. I have a couple still from our trip there that are oh, you know, laid down and, and resting and saving for a, a nice day uh, <laughs> where we're trying to celebrate something. So yeah, highly recommend the, unlike a lot of, so in the new world and especially in the Okanagan, a lot of the wineries, really think that having a very a single varietal is the most important thing and Mm -hmm. you do a single varietal and you do it extremely well and that kind of is your namesake so every winery kind of has their one like staple blend or staple wine right and then yeah they produce blends and they're typically they're cheaper wines or they're kind of their um their secondary line of wines Mm -hmm. but if you look at the old world where everything is named after the region instead of the the varietal, some of the fanciest wines and most expensive wines and the most flavorful wines in the world are actually blends. Blends, and yeah. that's something that I think Hidden Chapel does really well is they do very 
specific blends and they're very intentional about it where they might mix the Pinot Gris and they want to bring out a little bit more of a certain flavor. So they add the Viognier and then they think it's um, a little bit flat. So they just add 5% Chardonnay grape yeah. or whatever, whatever their blends are because they're trying to reach a certain flavor profile as opposed to saying, oh, we're going to grow a specific grape and bottle that and say, okay, no matter what, you know, if we have to add a little more sugar, or a little more acidity or whatever, because we want to bring yeah. out that one grape. But yeah, what I really like about Hidden Chapel is they don't shy away from those blends because they're just doing what they will to make the best flavored wine and, and the the best for that uh, label. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, really impressed with that. And it's, I would say, a little more unusual in the, in kind of the Oliver wine Naramata mm-hmm. area. Yeah, the ones that are blends are typically specifically two blends. They'll say, "Oh, we're sixty-five this and twenty-five, or what would that be, sixty-five and thirty-five, or very intentional. They're like, "Hey, we're ha- we're a Syrah with five percent Viognier because apparently that's really common to try to level out the Syrah." Um, yeah. Anyway, whatever. I don't need to go on about that. But but yeah, I, I appreciate that they're doing what they want to do and not what everybody else around them is doing. Yeah. So. Love Super it. cool. Yeah. Uh, it's really close to the Wine Village as well. Oh, is it? District Wine Village. Yeah, it's just down the street from it. So oh, cool. uh, they're not in the Wine Village. Uh, I, I found out recently that with the exception of um, Ink Meat, all the yeah. wineries in the District Wine Village are secondary lines or, you know, sister lines of other wineries kind of in the area. So... I, I can't name them off the top of my head, but all the ones they're associated with another winery kind of in the wow. area. So um, hmm. they're all unique lines to that district wine village, but they're associated with whatever else, except for Ink Meat, which is yeah. there as well. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so Hidden Chapel is close by. And <laughs> like I said, he, he seems like he's planning on ramping down production eventually. Wow. Approaching, uh, if anything, he'll probably keep doing it as long as it still is entertaining for him but mm-hmm. eventually i could see just it becoming just a vineyard that exports the grapes and but again that's just speculation so <laughs> fair enough fair enough yeah yeah my wife and i we visited there one of our first times to oliver and uh we just fell in love with that property it was so beautiful and the wines were so good and yeah. the whole experience overall was just amazing um i can't remember who did our wine tasting but they were incredibly knowledgeable made it a very positive experience and oh yeah we'll have to go back and uh and the the chapel is super cute yeah so cute and i th- i think we first heard about it from you you yeah. and Corey, and then we heard about it again recently from my sister and her yeah. partner um and so when we were going up to oliver that was the only one on my list of ones that we had to go to no so cool. yeah Oh, I'm glad you did. It's a, it's well worth the trip, that's for sure. Definitely, yeah. And uh, and Oliver's a lot closer to Vancouver than you think. It was only like a four-hour drive. Yeah, it's not that bad at all. It's only like, when it's like, what, 20 minutes to half an hour from Osoyes? So Yeah, exactly, yeah. That whole wine area is so good. Yeah, you're you're more of like a southern BC wine. I'm more of like a middle, like Kelowna kind of. Yeah, yeah. As, as my, but I guess that's just kind of where we've been introduced more to it, so. So, if you find yourself in Oliver, the address for Hidden Chapel Winery is 482 Pine Hill Road. Pine Hill is one word. I would suggest using GPS. Kind of hard to find. So. Just makes it that much more sweet when you get there. Yeah. (laughs) You will most likely be greeted by at least one dog when you get there. They're so nice. They're so cute. All right. Well, that about wraps it up for this leg of our journey. 
Taste BC Radio is recorded, edited, and produced by Jeff Wilson and me, Dan Kavanaugh. You can continue the journey and check out everywhere we talked about today in the show notes at our Taste BC map. Make sure to follow us at Taste BC Radio on Instagram and Facebook, and we'd love to have you join our community on Patreon. Links are in the show notes. Tune in next time to find out what we will be tasting next, and never miss an episode by subscribing on your podcast app. In the meantime, make sure to rate and review the show. Like we said before, this really helps us grow, and we really do appreciate the feedback. Until next time, support local and keep keep it tasty. tasty. (laughs) Bunkered down and scared, and we're just recording in our hotel room like, oh god. Yeah. (laughs) What is happening here? I want to go home.